The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. One of the goals of this show is to demonstrate not only the power of near-death experiences, but to point out that you don't necessarily have to die to experience a visit to the other side. And our guest today, Mindy Speranza, is an excellent example of that fact. Mindy is the author of the book, Visit to Heaven, What I Learned on the Other Side. It tells the story of how she grew up in an abusive home, was sent to several institutions, and ended up a single mom forced to raise two, her two children alone. She had dangerous conflicts in her life and was forced out of her business by her partner. It was enough to make anyone quit and declare that there was no future and no God. But one morning, Mindy woke up in a, to a voice on the TV telling her, we are body, soul, and spirit, and most people have no power in their life because they don't go deep enough to touch spirit where all the power is. Panicked, she found the time to pray deeper, and she felt her spirit being lifted up and taken on a miraculous tour of the afterlife. And here to tell you about it is Mindy Speranza. Mindy, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you. Good morning. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm I'm glad to hear you. Uh, Mindy, uh, tell us a little about what in your life led up to your uh, profound experience. Okay. Well, to make it brief, because that's my uh, most painful part, you know, uh, the part yes. I don't like, you know, discuss, but it is important because that is what led up to it. So I uh, was taken away from my home at 12 years old because of abuse and put in various institutions. I called them for child abuse. I don't know what technical, you know, the foster care system, you could say. And kind of shuffled around, uh, went out on my own at a very young 18, just barely maybe 19, uh, the next month, you know, that age, uh, and stayed on my own the rest of my life and, uh, had no self-esteem and had a lot of fear and was the perfect victim. But I never blamed people the way I blamed God. I don't know why my minds work like that, but I felt that it was God's job and responsibility to take care of me if I did my part, so I thought, which was being what I thought was a good person. And none of that worked. (laughs) And it got worse and worse until I was an adult, divorced, uh, two children, tremendous financial burden on me. And anything I touched failed. Anybody who I got in contact with hurt me or was devious. I just couldn't get a sense of how to live. And again, I still blamed God. And one day, I walked into my bedroom not long ago, three years ago, but it feels like, you know, this morning. And I looked up at the ceiling and I said, I don't know who you are or what matters to you, but I don't want a God like that in my life. And I had heard that my ex-husband had inherited things. He was abusive. And I said, 
really God. He gets two houses. You know, he wasn't paying child support. And my ex-partner who stole from me, I said, she gets the business, really? A business that I was in for over 30 years that, you know, a profession I was in. Mm-hmm. And she never was interested in until she got a hold of me. And mm-hmm. she gets it, really, God? I don't know how you work. I don't know what matters to you. But I don't want a God like that in my life. And I meant it. And I think he knew I meant it. And he didn't take it lightly. And that's what led up to the near death. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and the revelation came by TV one morning. Well, I had decided that night that I was done with God. And I thought it was a great decision. I was proud mm-hmm. of myself for that. I'm going to just shut down, and I'm going to coast. And I had been working three jobs, one of which hadn't paid me in eight weeks. I was only there eight weeks. And for the eight weeks, they kind of had an excuse every week, but it was in a nursing home. And I got already attached to the people, the uh, patients there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to consider this a volunteer job, and I'm going to get up in the morning and go. And that morning, I got up to go to work, which was the day after I declared I will never have anything to do with God. I clicked the TV on in that state of mind, and I heard, we are body, soul, and spirit. And most people have no power because they don't go deep enough to touch spirit where all the power is. And my first thought was, is he talking to me because I just told God I'm not talking to him anymore. And why is the TV talking to me now? (laughs) (laughs) And my second thought was, oh, my God, maybe that's my problem. And it hit me so hard that I got weak, weak in the knees, I say, and I had to sit down. And it just came over me. And I said, maybe that's it. I didn't even know what that meant, truthfully. But I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go deep enough to touch spirit. Whatever that means, I'm going to do it. And I went to work that day, and all day it stayed on me. And it was my only thought. I wanted to do it during the day at work, but I couldn't. And time I got to do it that night, it was around 10 o'clock at night. And I went to sleep, you know, I went to bed. I closed my eyes. And I pictured going deeper in my mind. I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was just going to, my thought was, I'll just pray deeper. That was as much as I could figure it out. And the next thing I knew, I was out of my body. I mean, it must have been within moments, like maybe two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. And I just felt my soul rising up through the ceiling into the atmosphere and as I rose, I felt dimensional change. I was now in another dimension. And my first thought was, oh, my God, this is where I'm from. This is home. And I heard, he knows every hair on your head, Mindy, and every moment matters. And where it matters is in your soul. And with this, I felt all the pain of a lifetime start to drain from the top of my head 
slowly down to the tip of my toes while being replaced with what I can only describe as the most beautiful liquid love. And I would never put those two words together, liquid love. They had no meaning to me before. But I didn't know any other way, and I knew that it fit. And it just healed me completely of my whole past. And then I saw the sun, the stars, and the moon. And the moon started coming closer and closer, and I could see the surface of, of the moon. And I remember thinking, I can see the surface of the moon. <laughs> it was so <laughs> odd. And I heard, God is the sun, the stars, and the moon. Is the moon mad at you, Mindy? And I took this to mean that he is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniessence. And he has a lot more to do than be mad at me. It kind of straightened me out a little bit, like there's a lot more going on here. Okay. Then I saw three Mindy's. I saw a flesh Mindy. I saw an outline of a Mindy, which I always say like a gingerbread cookie kind of outline. And I saw a wind of Mindy. And they said, the wind is your spirit. It is one with all. And just like the air doesn't change from Brooklyn to Staten Island, your spirit doesn't change from one to another. We are one in spirit. But, you know, I must say, I also, with these words, got feelings impressed on me. And the words were impressed. The words were put telepathically in my mind, which I had no body at the time. I was just spirit. But... um Wait, I lost my train of thought where I was taking you. Oh, that when I say we are one in spirit, it's still a choice. It's not that we are all one in spirit and have no choice of that. It was impressed upon me that it is a choice to choose God and to choose goodness in any form, you know, that we feel, but it was still given our choice. And so if we would say... There might be a God, but I'm not interested in him. Or this is God's turf, which it is. Heaven is God's turf, but I don't want it. I don't want to be on. We still have free will. And they did tell me at one point that there is another place, which I was surprised. They didn't use the word hell, but they said there is another place. And they showed me three cardboard boxes corrugated on the inside. What it means, I still don't know. And they mm. fell downward, like I describe it as falling to the wayside, as they said there is another place. So I was a little shocked, and I took it. It felt like dimensional. There's another dimension, and I got the message. And it's based on choice. Nobody is forcing us anywhere. Okay. So the spirit was one with all. And then I saw the outline of the Mindy, and I noticed that it was full to the ankles with some type of liquid. And I heard in my mind, you are empty to your ankles, because even though your actions were good, you were filled with fear and resentment. And I mean filled. That was my only being. Many times I said, my only emotion is fear throughout my life. I said it quite often. And they said, God does not attach to fear, resentment, or any negativity. He will only empower good. 
and he doesn't disempower. So there's just no contact, and your soul will not be filled with negativity. It will be drained by negativity. It will be filled with goodness and love. So it's not that you have a soul filled with negativity. It's that you have an empty soul, and your responsibility on this earth is to fill your soul. And all this I understood, and I immediately said, but what if I go back and do it again? So I suppose I must have known I was coming back. I kind of mm. felt like they brought me there for teaching, not for keeping me, necessarily. And uh, they said, you will know by the word. And I was kind of, uh, like my attention was brought up to the left, where I saw a beautiful silver rod pulsating like it was alive in the sky. And all words came. Good words on the right side, bad words on the left side. And I felt like that was significant, but I still don't know. The good was always on the right and the bad was on the left. I don't, you know, I haven't figured it all out even yet. And they said, you will know by the word, good words have good energy and bad words have bad energy. And your life will go in the direction of your thoughts. And it can't be based on your circumstances. And when they put that last part in, everything changed. Because I had circumstances. I had a very difficult life from birth. It continued to be so. At the time, I was 51, 50, 52. Uh, it wasn't any better. And so once they said it can't be based on your circumstances, now all that was taken away from me. And all I was left with, your life will go in the direction of your thoughts. And, you know, that was a command and an assignment and a, a clue of how to live, which I take serious, very serious. And I do try to live that way. But I want to still say all the things that I saw there. At one yes. point... At one point, I looked over the vast universe, and I said, oh, my God, it's so large, it's so big. And I immediately was put in my mind, there is no time and no space. And in fact, it is ever increasing. And then I understood that. On the other side, there's no pressure of timing or rush or that our life may end. It's endless. And in fact, increasing, so are the possibilities, the dimensions, the universe ever increasing. That was the best feeling. Oh, all of this was really <laughs> a great feeling, but that was great. Okay. Then I saw uh, my ex-business partner and my ex-husband, and I hate to even be so specific, but uh, floating in outer space. And I saw them in body, soul, and spirit, like I had seen myself, body, soul, and spirit. And I heard, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And what they do is to their soul. And that was also a command. You know, I came back with a few assignments. And then I saw at one point an elderly man. He was a white man. He had stubble, white stubble. And he was in boxer shorts. And he was in a hospital bed, floating in outer space. And I heard, when someone suffers at the end of their life, 
There is a reason. There is a purpose on the other side, a sort of burning away of karma, although they didn't use the word karma. Mm-hmm. But they did say to me, it's not in vain. It's all in divine order, and there is a reason, and there will be a benefit. I had also seen when I first got there, or closer to the beginning, I felt it was very dense, very crowded, very busy, although I didn't see all the souls. But for a split second, I saw a head with a turban, a blue turban, a peaceful man. And I felt that to mean there are other religions and they can't be peaceful. Like it was a flash and then the emotion came that there's other religions. It's not just one, whichever one that person thinks. And they are all valid, but the most important part would be the peaceful or the accepting of God and heaven and these things. Because like I said earlier, it's a choice. And when I came back, I think the last thing I saw was the man in the hospital bed. Mm. I woke up the next morning. I remembered everything. And I didn't know if I was there for 10 minutes or 10 years. I mean, or 10 hours the whole night. It felt so confusing as far as timing. And that drove me crazy for a while. Mm. But then I had to let it go. I couldn't tell. Oh, and there was also a point, I would say, towards the beginning when I saw the three Mindys where I heard, you are in the Evers. And I never knew what that meant. I never heard that word. I said the Evers. When I came back, I tell you, for about six months, I pushed it off. I was so afraid of the word, I didn't want to look it up. When I looked it up, and I had a friend look it up, and it said another dimension of heaven or whatever, I got so scared. Because did you ever hear a story where, uh, I think it was Wayne Dyer, he said he fell asleep and he dreamed about a rose and he woke up holding a rose or something like this? I felt mm-hmm. like I brought something back with me, the word Evers, because I wasn't familiar, I didn't know it, and yet it correlated, and it scared me. It really frightened me back on this side. I don't know why, because the rest mm-hmm. didn't, but that word felt tangible and felt like I brought it back, and here it had meaning in a dictionary or in Google, and yet I never heard of it. Only there did I hear it, and that was creepy. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy among everything else, but... Well, but it goes with the... uh with the direction you were given that you will know by the word. Perhaps that was the key word that you were to uh, meditate on. You know, I didn't realize how powerful our thoughts and our words, I didn't think we had that much power over our life. My thoughts were, I'll be nice and I'll pray. And if God likes me, he'll control everything. I did not get it that we control it with our thoughts and our words and our actions. But first our thoughts, because they turn into everything else. So I thought I could sulk and be mad at God and tap my foot until he has mercy on me. I didn't know I had responsibility to direct everything. And let me tell you, three years later, I'm still learning because I spent a long time being negative. And when I came back, I realized how toxic I was. And I said, no, I won't live that way anymore. And I had to find a way. And what I started to do was I started to write down good words. 
Now, they told me there's good and bad and no in-between. So the way I qualified, because I couldn't get three words together, three good words, I was so toxic and negative in my thinking as a way of life that I didn't know what good was. And I would qualify good only by the fact it wasn't bad. And I had a thought so simple. I would write down purple, baby, sunshine, because I couldn't think of anything good. And I would say it's not bad. The color purple is not a bad thing. I'll write that down. That's how simple I had to start, and I couldn't get more than three words on a paper. My mind wouldn't go there because I was so toxic. But I now knew the rules, and I also was euphoric. I was floating. I would say for about five and a half months, and I wish I was back there. I can tap into it, and I'm still so much better than I ever was. But that yes. was a magical time where the earth didn't seem like the earth, and I wasn't really here. I had one foot in and one foot out, and it was great. But I did understand I had responsibility, which was wonderful because it let me know that I had some power. I didn't think I had any power to direct my life or anything on this earth. So that let me know that. And... I don't know. Did, I made a lot of changes. Did you, when you were there, did you feel the voice or the voice in your head was coming from God or from angels? What was the source of that information? Well, the thing is, when they said, he knows every hair on your head, Mindy, I mm. took it as it wasn't God, because why are they saying he? Right. So I had the feeling of, two guides with me, one on each side, and God hovering over and overseeing it and giving his approval and actually having sent the guide to do this, like a mission, like go there and do this work on this girl, like she's not getting it. <laughs> and it was, of course, a blessing and a gift. And oh, I, what can I say? Because I never felt special, and I am so thankful and so grateful. Words cannot explain, and you know, that's why I live the word they taught me. It's a way of honoring God for the information. Like, I don't throw it away. I don't say, okay, you told me the rules, but whatever, here I am. No. I follow those rules and take full responsibility as a way of saying thank you. And they're not in vain, and they didn't fall on deaf ears. And the same way I was angry at God, disappointed, is now I have reverence for God. And I'm grateful and thankful to the same hmm. extreme, if not more. Isn't it interesting that um, at first, your first um vision when you saw the sun and the moon and the stars was oh there's this god is so much bigger than my little problems and yet at the same time you knew that he knew the number of every hair on your head and that he knew that's you right. through and through um that's right so in the one way you were forgiving god for not paying attention to you but on the other hand you were saying you know everything about me god and <laughs> and uh, you're taking the time to heal me well, I wasn't saying it. They were. Right, they were right. saying, look <laughs> at this massive, amazing God. And yet he knows every hair on your head, Mindy. And using my name 
while saying it made it even more important. Yes. Um, you said uh, life uh, will go on in the direction of your thoughts. And I think mm-hmm. that's really, really important because we get people get hung up in loops of of thoughts that can either pull them down or push them up. And so you really want that loop to be a, a if I mean, if we're addicted to loops anyway, you want that loop to be a healthy and a hopeful one. Um, do you have any recommendations for people as to how to how they can overcome yeah, their my depression? My recommendation is to take it serious because I probably heard that throughout my mm. life. I'm sure I did. You know, the secret and all the I took classes, all these other things. It never penetrated. So my first advice would be take it serious because it's true. My second advice would be the very simplistic thing I did which was to write down good words. And the reason that helped me so much is because it let me focus that there was so much good around me, even if it had to be just a color. A color wasn't bad. I could look at that. So that changed my whole perspective. And that changed my whole way of thinking and being. And, you know, life didn't change yet. I feel it changing, but my thoughts and my way of acting and being on the earth has so drastically changed. And it lets me go back to a place of joy, not only the near death, about that I learned the skill of how to look at good. That did everything for me. And, you know, there were times when I thought about it and I go, wait a minute, that's what they gave me? It's still up to me? Ew. You know, like, I wanted a magic <laughs> wand. I was on the other side. That's what you gave me? But I am thankful that at least I know the rules now, and I do abide by them. And when things are rough, I utilize them, and they make all the difference in my life. And one of the rules you said was uh, that it's not based on the circumstances of your life. And that Ooh, that, um, that makes makes things, you know, at first glance seem very unfair, because there are some people that are not dealt a very good hand, as you were, and they have, I would think, more to overcome than somebody right. who's always had a, always gotten the breaks. You're right, but it's better for them because they get to throw those circumstances away and live in peace and happiness, despite the circumstances. For me, that was that much better. You mean all of this doesn't have to matter? Wow. So for me, you know, to get that insight, it's not based on your circumstances. That was mind blowing. Still is. Yes. Wow. And how is uh, how do you feel your life has changed since, um, you know, besides your attitude? Do you feel that things are going any better, or not necessarily? Yes. Uh, well, I see them starting to have. Well, let me tell you, uh, I had gained some weight, and I was always chubby. I wouldn't say giant, obese, but it was, for me, like if I would have three wishes in life, I would always say love, money, and weight loss. <laughs> I uh, recently, what, what, what are we in, uh, December? October had weight loss surgery. I would have never done that. And it's just beginning. It was about eight weeks ago. That is a direct result of, the near death, because I would have been afraid. I only had fear. So 
I could never move forward. That's new, and that's only eight weeks, and that's a major life issue, number one. Number two, I put my house up for sale. I live in New York. I just got an offer. I want to move to Florida. So, and I got an offer above what I ever thought I would. That's another major life thing. These two things show me that something is starting to stir externally. After three years of only internal, but me watching my thoughts, you know, in a way I was like, I'm going to test this theory. And I'm going to test God. I want to see if it works. If I live by this, which already gave me a better quality of life, (laughs) uh, I want to see if it works. And I had no proof. I still don't have 100% proof, but the movement has started. And I kind of feel like it's going to keep going in that way. I certainly honor what I've learned, and now I'd like to see the outward appearance. And I do believe that it will happen. So I haven't had that many changes yet. Yeah, Mindy, that's that's great. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time. I, I wanted to tell folks that they can get a copy of your book, Visit to Heaven through Amazon. It's uh, just look for uh, uh, Visit to Heaven, um, what I learned on the other side. And uh, thank you, Mindy, for sharing your story uh, with us today. My pleasure. Uh, thank you, Lee. <laughs> if uh, the listeners would like to uh, hear this again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANS, go to their website, IANDS.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.